0: At least 10 months ago. Um, I'm not sure if you remember, but I was a commercial real estate guy. Um, yeah, it's been about, I think, 10, nine months, and I just figured I'd, I'd join in and, and connect with you and just see how you're doing.
1: Oh, nice. When? Uh, how did we meet? Do you remember?
0: Uh, yeah, I could turn my camera on. I don't know if that, that would be helpful, but um, we. I think it was about 10, 10 months ago or so. Um, oh, just, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. I see your... Uh made a meetup i did um yeah a while ago it's been a while man
0: yeah it's been a while so i just wanted to ch- i always get your notifications and i'm just always running around i just figured i'm actually sitting down on my computer let me just tune in um oh, nice yep well, thank you you're welcome
1: nice okay so we got dual, dual going we're launched uh we're launched with youtube live now so i just um See where are you, good. Well, hey Robert, nice to see you again. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, nice to see you too.
1: And let's see who else we have. Henry Davis, have we met before? Okay, it's quiet. And uh, let's see who else we have. David Maldonado. I don't know if we've met. David.
0: Hey, hey, happy New Year, Bill. It's Henry Davis here. Sorry about that. Um, how are you doing? Hey, pretty good. Yeah, we met right before the new year kicked off, and then uh, uh, I'm out I'm out here in Victorville. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. In Victorville, how are things out in the high desert area? A little
0: different, you know. We're starting to kick up a lot of the values are going up out here. Um, about it. Within a matter of two weeks, about a about a fifty fifty thousand dollar increase. Nice. That should make things a little easier. Yeah. Um.
1: Excellent. Okay, we're going to start about two minutes. Okay, let's see here. And people coming in. Nice. Shonda's coming in. Nice. Excellent. Um, and the chat turned on, no, okay. So a new feature here is the chat. We're gonna start in about, about two minutes. And Keith, and uh, so Henry's in the high de- desert. And Robert, you're here in the LA area, right? I think, I'm right? If uh, yes,
0: chat. I'm in the LA area, but we, we do work, me and my partner, Brandon, all through California, North and South. What are you doing?
1: Sounds exciting. What are you
0: guys working on? So the latest project we have is a one in 29 Palms. Um, we're developing a grocery anchored uh, shopping center right, right across the street from um, from uh, Stater Bros. Uh, we're working on a tractor supply sale right now in Susanville that should close any day now. Nice. Um, the buyer got COVID and I kind of delayed things. We're working on a 7-Eleven in Brentwood that's an escrow um so yeah we we just have a lot of projects going on some in Fairfield Yuba City uh we just signed a snap uh fitness franchisee agreement um possibly thinking about opening some locations so uh yeah it's a lot a lot going on
1: outstanding well um guys, good to hear Always well, good to hear good stuff I hear people uh doing wellness business you know I think um uh, one thing to talk a little bit about Uh, You know, I do uh, two calls a week. I do one on Tuesday that's strictly real estate investment focused, and I do one on Thursday. This one, which is more focused on probate, and I I shared. Well, I I appreciate that are people really struggling uh, in the world, in a business, in real estate. A lot of people struggling. For me, this was my best, the best nine months of my career in terms of building wealth. Um, It was a tough transition. Right. But, uh, and, it, and there was some time spent figuring it out. But once I kind of figure it out, now I've got to come with some momentum. And I think that business, when you have momentum, it's a whole different experience. Um, and I literally had a phone call that my new system's kind of set up an appointment call. I'm talking to this gal. She's kind of pre qualified from looking for And I figure out what she's looking for, put with a property and we'll, you know, probably buy something next week. And, and that turnaround time real fast. So, um, really excited. Uh, uh, the market opportunities here. I appreciate the people struggling. I'm here to help, uh, and, and I'm not too busy. Uh, I'm too busy sometimes to take phone calls. Like right now, my phone's on do disturb, but I'm not too busy to help anybody return a phone call. Uh, and I actually offer people just to book an appointment with me. So uh, it's been a great, a great period of time. Okay, we're after four o'clock here. Let's let's launch this thing. I want to. I'm Grouse, I'm the organizer of this. And this is the first probate call of the week, of the year. Uh, I started this uh, with COVID last year, March 17th or so. As a response, I was somebody who got most of my business going to in-person meetings at court or in uh, uh, real estate meetups. And with COVID, that came to an end. And I was uh, scared, to be honest, by my business. I had... uh, 25 pending escrows that were going to cancel. They all, in fact, did cancel. Most of them reopened. Uh, but I had a business that was going to be at zero. What am I going to do? And a business predicated on meeting people. What am I going to do? And so I quickly, that week, uh, one of the things I did was I watched Grant Cordon and a lot of positive motivational videos. And I spent about a week creating a business plan. And I realized the importance of connection more than ever As little as, when something is scarcer, it's more valuable. So the fact that we can't meet with people, we can't meet with family, makes the time we meet way more valuable. In real estate, I've always said that the magic is when you meet somebody and that's more precious now. And, and I'm using the video as, a, as the best substitute that I can for when I can't meet people in person. And uh, the numbers game, you know, it used to be you, you, on the phone, you talk to one at a time. Here we're going to have 40 people on our call today. And and nowadays I record it on YouTube and another 30, 40 people see it per week. And so it leverages my time and yours. And so I did this call and then I also try to come from contribution. My first coach was Zig Ziglar and he said, you can have anything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. And so I, I made these calls, opportunities to be a service to those of you working, either brand new, getting started, or in the business with deals, with leads, with problems. So we can work together and help you, each other be more successful. So feel free to bring a problem to this phone call. Bring Feel free to bring a question to this phone call. Feel free to have a property that you're trying to sell and pitch it. Now The properties I just ask, send to me of time so I can share it and show it properly and maybe coach you up on how to present it but I want this to be an area where you can feel comfortable and you can benefit your business. This isn't just about me. I'm not selling coaching, not selling anything at all. I'm selling you on your life and your career. And I'm I'm offering myself as a, as a tool to help you be successful. I want to share two stories today, just to start off before I do that though, anybody have any pressing issues, questions, or problems you want to share with the group? No. Raise your hand, unmute, jump in, put the chat box, not hearing any. So I want to share two stories. One, it's a lesson learned about being sensitive to other people. So I have, a, uh, I have right now seven pending escrows. So number seven was when I had an escrow and fell out for a property about $900,000. And we got an offer, and we'll go back and forth as it happens. My seller tells me last week on Friday, hey, by the way, I'm at the hospital right now because my brother is sick with COVID. And you know, that's not what you want to hear. Apparently he's really sick. Uh, he's in Irvine, Orange County, somewhere. So we go through this counteroffer process and I you know called and emailed him, didn't hear back, called him again. He says, Well, I'm here in the hospital, my brother passed. This was on Monday, my brother passed. Not only that, this is an older man who um, doesn't use iPhone, doesn't use uh, electronic signatures. He would use his daughter to uh, use electronic signatures for him. That daughter was also in in the hospital with COVID on a respirator, a young girl, I think she's 30 years old. Like that's serious, right? Like you hear stories about people who are asymptomatic or minor, but respirator's like as bad as it gets, right? And she's only 30. And I'm thinking, gee, how do I get off the phone call politely and not pressure him? He wants the paperwork signed. He gave his other daughter's email and we sent the documents to her to sign. And we got it signed and we got the thing in the escrow. We opened escrow in a $900,000, I'll get a $20,000 commission check for him. We're probably, he- he's gonna get a good sale and the, the buyer's gonna get a good deal. But I think, I believe I was able to get him to move forward because I didn't pressure him at all. I'm like, we can wait. Like everybody will understand, you just lost your brother. Um, And I think it's important as salespeople that we not push people, but we be available be a service, that we be of help and that we listen. And I'd like to think of something that I've worked at and I'm good at. I wanna share a probate story today. So, Two weeks ago, I represented an investor. I found a good deal that was being sold a probate way below market. It was being sold at 980. It was worth at least $1.3, $1.4 million. Easily. Easily. I could sell it a day for 1.3. I did, actually. So Brian, I called an investor, a friend of mine, and said, hey, you need to bid $1,075,0 coming on this deal. But, but the court's probably going to decline it because the court appraised the property to 1.5 and change. The court requires it sold at 90% of the court's appraisal, which is three and change. But I don't want to offer one three because they don't want to pay a listing commission. We get it for one one and you get a great deal, great. But let's not jump in on this deal and pay the full price. So the buyer is, and this is an interesting property where. The buyer's the tenant of the property. He thinks he has the seller locked into him, kind of dishonestly, has gonna finagle his way into this deal. Well, the reality is the probate court system is set up to protect estates from people like him. The estate wasn't gonna pay a realtor or anything. They were gonna save, they were gonna save $50,000 when they sold the property at 980 instead of $1.3 million. They were going to save the commission. Do you see the air quotes? So we go to court and we tell the judge we want to pay 1-1 and the judge says, well, thank you but we won't let it go for less than 1-3. And so, well, we would pay 1-3 if I could list it. We offered that to the seller weeks ago. They didn't want to do that for some reason. And the court said, no, we're not going to approve the sale. So now the seller has to reapply to get the property sold. I send them an offer to buy the property on behalf of my investor for one, three, if I'm the listing agent. They don't respond for a day. They come back with some nasty email, well, we're still looking for a listing and we're evaluating and doing our due diligence to find a listing agent. It's like, you guys are such I gave you an offer at 90%. Uh, obviously I know the property, I know the, the opportunity, I know the probate rules. I think sometimes our pride gets in the way and or we're trying to get something on the cheap and we won't give it up. Here's what I want to tell you about probate. Probate is by the rules. You're not going to fool the judge. In this case, because I'm a real estate agent, I'm experienced as a lender, the buyer presented an appraisal at 1.1 saying, oh, we shouldn't have to pay 1.3, we should pay 1.1. I read the appraisal. even though this property had a tenant paying lease and the value of the property is the lease, the appraiser was told the property was vacant. They were lied to. The appraiser was made to the buyer, not the seller. And when you read appraisal uh, documents, you'll learn that they only allow the person, the client to use the appraisal. They don't allow a buyer to submit that to the seller. Meaning that appraiser was purchased for the benefit of the buyer to use as a negotiating tool. So to me, that's really fraudulent to, to try to tell the court, oh, for the seller, it's worth 1.1. No, that's appraisal the buyer used and purposely force it low by not evaluating the income from the tenant, the whole purpose of the land. And so what, what, do, I, what do I say all this for? I think you're gonna find a real estate. There are people, yes, feel free, uh, Jay, to put chat there. Um, people try to do things the wrong way. People try to shortcut. People try to, uh, one of my properties are buying next week. They're purposely listed at way, way high. So no buyer would even see it in the MLS. It's a trick I learned. I look at the properties without the list price to find the deals that agents are trying to sneak by. And we caught this one. We're gonna go out and buy this property. Uh, my my, my investor's excited for about $1.3 million. So that's a long story to say that there are people who make a living in real estate. And you're going to find this, those of you who are new. There are people who make a living cheating and playing dishonestly. And it looks like they're getting ahead. Here's what I want to tell you. I've been in this business a long time. In the long run, they don't get ahead. I've visited those people in federal prison. I visited friends and former partners in prison who tried to cut corners and got caught. So, so let's play by the rules, the uh, in the, the, the easy way is doing the hard work every day and don't look for the shortcuts look for learning what the rules are and playing by them. Jay asked a question Does court always have to prove the sell price so in California, we have two categories of probate cases those that the petitioner referred to as the or administrator the person in charge of the estate has what's called full authority. That means they can do what they want pretty much unless somebody complains. And In those cases, there's certain forms we use when we buy the property. They have to file with the court in some cases a notice that they're gonna sell it. But what they don't need is a court approval of the price. And that's about 80% of probate cases. About 20% the person running the estate, the petitioner, known as the executor or administrator, the court says, we're not gonna give you full authority, we're gonna give you limited authority. In order to sell the house, you need to follow certain rules. You need to publish that you're selling the property in a certain way. Once you accept offers, then you file a petition with all the information on it for a court date. You have to praise the property, this is answering your question specifically, do with, But not appraisal. You're using a special court-appointed appraiser called a probate referee. to order a probate referee's report. And you just sell it for 90% or more of that number. And then bring to the court. And then if somebody walks into court and is willing to beat that price by 5% plus $500, so a $500,000 property, they're willing to pay $525,500. They they can overbid your property. That's the court overbid process or the court confirmation process. That's the part that I specialize in. Of all the probate, which is, out of 500 probates a month in California, I'm sorry, in LA County, I specialize in the 30 that go to court. That's what I'm looking for. So does does the court always have to prove it? If it's full authority, no, the court doesn't even have any idea what the price is. If it's limited authority, by definition, yes, the court will require confirmation of the price. And has to meet a certain appraised value. And then Christina said, what if they're major pairs and you have estimates to justify? So what you would do, Christina, in that case is you would contact the probate referee. Now, I have to tell you, these days, contacting appraisers is difficult. Contracting probate referees, I find them very easy to work with. And usually I'll email them that question and then call. But if it was this, in the probate referee, the court appointed appraiser, they only go outside the property, they don't go inside. So if inside the property is trash, needs a lot of work, isn't livable, I would contact the appropriate referee and give him that information in writing so he then has a record and can justify it. So a house that's worth a million, he might assume inside's livable, and you come back and show him all the status of the property, he might say, oh, wow, based on that, it's only worth eight hundred thousand dollars So in my experience, they're willing to work with you. On the case we talked about, the, uh, the uh, attorney, who I was assured she was stupid or dishonest, I've come to the conclusion she's one of two, I still know which. She just tried to kind of broadly the her and said, well, here's some comparable sales. But the comparable sales didn't justify a lower price. That's a that's a common tactic is, it, it, I always tell people to learn the data. So when you talk to somebody, you're telling them something intelligently. Like, And I find the probate referees are very workable if you give them real data. But if you just call and complain about the price, well, we can't get a lower, I hear all the time, we can't get a lower offer. Well, of course you could, or, I'm sorry, a higher offer, or, but you didn't even put in the MLS. I had a attorney tell me, I bought a property in um, uh, Tarzana, Tarzana, condo. So I had a property it was was not in the MLS and we went to bid on it. And I called the attorney and and, and was talking to him and and I said, why is it not uh, publicized? And he said, because the realtor told me the property was in such bad condition he could not put in the MLS. I said, you're crazy. I've, I've put some real dogs in the MLS. I've put in property that I would, it hurt to look at in the MLS. Not only was that was his point not true? But the truth is when I went to the property, there was nothing wrong with the physical property, but when the people moved out, they just threw all the stuff on the floor. Like they, they pulled out some stuff in the sock drawer and threw the socks on the floor and pulled the drawers out and threw them on the... It looked like it was ransacked by robbers throughout the whole house. There was trash everywhere, but it's obvious that was trash while they moved out. It wasn't, it wasn't like they lived in squalor it was on moving day, they just left it a mess. Literally, we hired, it uh, uh, went 800, got trash, sent in a Molly Maids type team, and the property was perfect, ready to go. You know, shame on the realtor for not doing that. I would tell the estate, hey, we'll get you more money. I'll advance the money in my credit card and get paid back at the close of escrow. Trash out the property, clean it up, take some nice pictures. Nowadays, you can take pictures and have them adjusted. To stage virtually stage the property, I had a property in Walnut that I, I I couldn't get any in, any interest in, and I virtually staged it. Cost me about five hundred bucks total. I got four offers. I got in escrow at a higher price than the one that fell out. So the, the things you can do today—that's a of winded way of saying the property has to be marketed on the uh, if it's limited authority has to be marketed properly in the MLS. Um. Okay. Christina asks, is it supposed to be on the MLS if listed by a realtor or just recommended? Christina, I think you need uh, Christina, are you a real estate agent or a seller? What's your what's your role in real estate? That's the question and I'd like to answer, but Christina, oh you're you're an agent, I think, with REMAX. I, I see here you're you're an agent. So depending on your MLS, but basically nowadays we as realtors can't do pocket listings anymore, right? There's some exceptions, maybe in certain areas, but generally speaking, uh, if we list a property, it's supposed to go in the MLS. So no, we're not really allowed to um, uh, list it and not put in the MLS. You'll find oftentimes commercial property, a little interesting factoid. In LA, most commercial property now is in the MLS. Most multi-units are in the MLS. There are realtors who are not members of MLS because it costs money and they're commercial agents. Uh, and then maybe they belong to Lubnet or CoStar. More likely, my experience, the broker has CoStar and they all kind of fake and use his login, which is wrong. They're too cheap to put it in the MLS. And I've had, I've had customers say, there's nothing that sells in the MLS. I go, that's funny, let me pull you the comparables and show you that about 95% of sales now multifamilies and commercial are in the MLS. So the best practice is to put it in the MLS as well as uh, costar loop I'm gonna ask a question by Terry. Hey Terry, nice to see you again. Um, what advice do you have for someone who's never done a probate and wants to start listing probates? How do you get started? Well, great question, Terry. So are you, uh, let me just look see if I can go on you real quick. Um, you're also an agent, okay? I don't remember how experienced you are, but what I tell people is, what I tell real estate agents, is that you know there's a transition when we start. Most of us start as buyer's agents, and then we start listing property. And then when you're a listing agent, then you should start adding in probates, because it. Uh, Going from buyer listing is more skill and experience. And then going from listing to probate is a little more experience yet. But what I would say to you is, um, you're a listing agent. Good. What I say to you then is, if you're a listing agent, you have, I'm sure, uh, a database of clients, past clients, prospects, people you went to their listing presentation and didn't get it, open house people that you met that didn't buy with you, friends, family, a couple hundred people. I'm gonna tell you, and, and and this is the hard work, your first probate listing is in that database. Your first probate listing is not buying data and cold calling three hours a day and converting one into probate, I don't think. That's not to say you shouldn't do that also. But I think your first deal, if you just, have you got, I, forget, I know you and I spoke actually uh, previously. I don't remember though, did you get certified? or you take a class in probate?
2: no well i have taken a training it was just uh through a, a probate attorney i've only taken a class i have this manual that he gave and to be honest with you i just like put it in the bookshelf and i haven't done anything with it
1: was it, paul so, Horn?
2: <laughs> it was no it was paul uh Horn.
1: Oh, Horn, right was that, that recently in the last six months or so
2: no it's been a little longer than that probably like two years and so he I,
1: since has created a new program Includes a certification, okay, which I think is good. I think it's worth. I think he describes Paul is an expert in. I think he's the most um, voluminous, the most number of probate cases in LA County. Either one or two or three, so he knows the probate process like that, like nobody. Okay, I don't think he really knows the marketing side for a realtor, and I don't mean that to be disrespectful. He actually brought me to to speak to. uh, a group for him on how to market to get listings. So what I'd say is, again, I I would consider getting certified. And then what I did was I put the certification in my email and I sent an email out to my database telling them that, you know, I've uh, I've been certified in this area that I've in the past I've come across probates and I'm glad to help if they have any questions uh, and um, that they should feel free to reach out if they do have any questions. And you'll find that a stranger is gonna grow you from the probate you've done and how much you know and what your website looks like. But somebody who knows you and likes you already trusts you. And they're expecting that you're not gonna get in over your head. They're expecting if you know how to do a good job, you will. And if you don't, you won't. what I'd say to you is, uh, Terry, if if they've filed a probate already and they think they're gonna get full authority, All you need to do really is go into your zip forms, pull the listing probate forms, the advisory, and then pull the purchase agreement. So you read it and are familiar with it and the differences in those forms. And I believe that anybody with a little bit of help, and if you get into a sticky spot, call me, make sure we put the MLS, we put that's required. And court confirmation is not required if they have full authority. Right. Now it was limited authority, I would not recommend you do that on your own. Find somebody to partner with. I'd love to. And I would not only partner with you on that first one, I would teach you every step of the way so then going forward, you could do your own. Because I'm the guy who goes to court and makes you look bad if you don't do your job properly. And, and that's what I do, all right? I, you, you list the property and I come in and pay more and your seller saying, I understand, why did you say I should sell it for a million and they're paying a million 150? right? they should look at. So you don't want that. So I'd say to you, but you should reach out. There's two things you should do. If you're like Terry is already a listing agent. So I presume you have a database, you have clients, you probably don't reach out to them often enough as it is. Here's one good piece to talk about is probate uh, and and how uh, the probate process works. By the way, changes in the new Prop 19 will affect probate, will affect taxes when people pass properties on. You should look into that, maybe write a little article about that to your database. Number two, I recommend you call all of your database if you're a real estate agent every 90 days the rest of your career. Now, what do you talk to them about? Well, you can you always find something to talk about, but one thing is you should ask this question. Terry, I know we sold you your house. I noticed you bought the property as Terry Davis, not in the Living Trust. Can I ask you, are you familiar? with the advantages of living trust. Now, if you're a single person, it might not matter to you, or it might. There are single people who don't worry about passing on property to family, there's something to do. They want to pass it on to their nep- nephews, their nieces. There are single people who don't care about passing it on to their family, but want to pass it on to their charities or some other organization or some other friend. So you have to kind of be sensitive when you ask the question, Uh, And if they're married, for sure, they should have it at probate. It's true that depending on how they hold title, a property might pass automatically from spouse to spouse, but it may not if they make a mistake in how they hold title. And if they have kids, for sure, they should avoid probate. God forbid, mother and and father die. The kids would inherit, but they have to go to probate and get a conservatorship. It's just going to, they're going to spend tens of thousands of dollars to get there. So you call your database and ask the question. I'm curious, I noticed you took the title as Terry and Bob Davis, not in a living trust. Are you familiar with how living trust can avoid probate? And they might say, yeah, we checked it out when I'm interested. Okay, I would never argue with them. They might say, no, tell me about it. You might say, well, it's a way you can avoid probate, which can cost you a lot of money. And what I would recommend is find a video that you like on YouTube to send them about the advantages of how living trusts avoid probate. Uh, we had on this call a few times, different attorneys and different videos they did. One was Leron Elioff has a nice series of videos. Find one that you like, find a flavor that you appreciate. Yeah. And then you should offer your clients the ability to get a living trust. Now, I think of three different price levels. I think of, there's a simple uh, trust that they can get for about $400, $500 for a couple. Trustinwills.com is one source easy probates and other source. They're kind of like LegalZoom but they specialize in trusts. The next higher level up is you'll find uh, younger, newer attorneys, um, hungry, and they'll charge maybe 1500 bucks for more, for that same trust, but they'll oversee it and help the client get through the process. And the third level, somebody who has millions of dollars of assets, maybe multiple marriages involved, and that can cost 3000 to 5000 to $20,000, depending on what's involved. You as an agent Terry should have those three solutions and be able to offer them to your client. That's my, my belief. Okay. And I think by helping them get that. Now some will say, here's the other part of that. Some will say, well, I have a living trust. Great, can I ask you a question Terry? Uh, who did you trust and how happy are you with them? They might say, oh, terrible, we hate the guy or he died, or he was out of business. But more often they'll say, oh yeah, Betty Boop did, she's the greatest. And I would then say, I'm glad to hear that. You know, I talk to people every day that need living trusts. Would you be okay if I called Betty Boop and mentioned your name and referred to her clients of mine that might need her service? Oh, we love Betty. Please call her say hi to her for me. Now you have the excuse to call Betty Boop who probably does some probate business too.
2: Right. Say, hey, I'm
1: Terry, my client Joe and Mary used you for living trust, Betty. Uh, I'm not asking for the business, but I come across people every day. I literally on the phone, some of you guys need living trusts. I come across people every day who need living trusts. Would you be okay? If I had a client you ta- I, and here's the key phrase. The key phrase is him are you still writing new living trusts? Okay. When you see it like that, that tells them that you know their business. Are you still writing living trusts and are you still doing it? Because many attorneys when they're young, kind of like we as new agents work more with buyers. As they get more experience, they don't want to do them anymore. They want to administer the trusts. So by asking the question, you kind of saying to them, you know the business a little bit. And they'll either say, no, I don't do them. I refer them all to JD, new agent, new attorney. They'll say, yeah, I'd love to talk to anybody you have. Well, fantastic. You know, I'd love just to meet with you real quick. Maybe I could buy a cup of coffee so that when I have a client, I can say, I've already met you. Now, obviously COVID makes that dance more difficult. You figure out what that means. want to send them coffee, do it virtually, great. You wanna pop over, drop off coffee. Whatever you think is right, is the right way to handle
2: that. I'm meeting with one next week on Wednesday with a trust attorney. How'd you meet them? I'm glad, I'm glad that you're, you're telling me the right questions to ask. So that's beautiful, thank you. How'd you get to meet them? She is a friend of, she's a sister of somebody that I know, just an acquaintance. And she told me that she was an attorney. And then I asked, what kind of attorney is she? Because I like to keep contact with all attorneys. And she said, oh, she does probates and trusts. So then she gave me her contact and that's how we connected. And that's where we are now.
1: There you go. Okay, so there's a long. I do a whole hour class on that. I gave you the 10-minute version of it. Uh, if you have more questions, Terry, call me back. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Sasha pointed out that Paul Horn does a certification class for CAR. Correct. Paul, there's several certification classes. I think Paul Horn does. It is the official CAR cert. I don't know what that really means. It's nice, but more important than that Paul really knows the business, and I think Paul's class is really good for California probate. So I think it's $110, very reasonable. Um, If the probate, I got a question from Lupe. If a probate is not under trust, then it goes to probate. I'm a new vacant land investor. Well, um, if a property is not under trust, then it goes to probate. Here's what I will say. Property owned by a person not already Identified with the um, with the process in how they hold title, yeah. Absent a trust, it goes to probate. Husband and wife have a special relationship. Husband passes, automatically goes to wife. They buy it together as husband and wife, unless they buy a separate property. Normally, it's defaulted, and they can, should take title as community property, get the advantages of it. People are joint tenants. One dies, the property automatically goes to the other. And a so common theme each have your own interest. So it depends on how you hold title. If you hold title by yourself, God forbid you die, Lupe you should live to 120, but God forbid you own property in your name and you die and it's the sole person, then, then that property has to go to probate. Whether you have a uh, family, whether you have, no, it might go to your wife, she could avoid probate, but she has to get an attorney and follow a form so it's basically the same as probate. Uh, kids, absolutely would to file probate to get the ownership of land. And I have land where the land value is $4,000, and it would cost about $3,000 to $4,000 just in legal fees to sell the property. So it can, eat up, it can eat up your costs. The minimum costs of filing and advertising, all that can eat up your costs. Uh, Krishan, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Is that, is that right, Krishan? Right.
2: Yeah, that's Krishan.
1: Good, Krishan.
2: you can going to call me Mike.
1: <laughs> Mike, okay, Mike. What's the difference between being administrator limited versus full? So if you're the administrator of an estate, full authority means basically you can do whatever you want to do. Basically. Basically, you have full authority Work on behalf of the state. What don't you have? Well, the things you don't have, uh, uh, as a realtor, we have to use probate forms. And to sell property or to do anything significant, you might need to file a notice of intent to do something. Usually, a 15 day notice, if there's multiple errors, is required. Title will usually require a 15 day notice to sell property that be filed with the court 15 days before they'll close that scroll but other than that basically you're on your own. Um, limit authority, for example, you can't sell the property without going through the whole court process. Limit authority, when you sell the property, you can't just take the money in the bank account. The court will require the money either to be into a blocked account, which the court has to prove withdrawals, or, or that you get a bond to cover the money. The bond can cost a significant amount of money. So those are some of the most common limits to somebody with limited versus full authority. Um, Can you change? So one of the things I do well, one of the ways I save my customers a lot of money, is I've found customers who have limited authority, and I'll digest the case and try to find a way to get them to full authority. Uh, and sometimes that's by bringing in resources and it's by helping them come up with a strategy. Uh, and I've done that I think twice in the last year, right? Had clients who had limited, we got full and then we were able to sell the property and save my client a lot of money. So that's a little more than I can talk about in this call and gets a little technical, but I hope to answer your question, uh, Mike. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Sure, and Luke Bay, thank you, Bill. You're welcome, Mike. And cost involved. So the problem with, so for example, Unlimited authority because you have court to sell a property. You have to file a publication in a certain way that costs 900 bucks. Then when you get your offer accepted, you file the petition uh, for the court approval that costs 471, uh, either you're paying a paralegal or attorneys or doing it yourself. The attorneys is to cost a lot of money, sending out notices to any parties involved. And then once the court approves the sale, you have to prepare an order for the court to sign. That costs time and money. So I don't know the exact difference. It varies based on case, but I would say at the a minimum, the, the limited to full authority, you're talking about minimum $5,000 difference. If, if there's an attorney, it could be a lot more than that. The other difference is this. If today you're selling a property with limited authority, if a buyer who accepts the contract today, and then you file the petition for court approval, you're not going to get a court hearing until the end of March. So your buyer is every day worried, is this deal going to close or not through March? They can't lock in their interest rates. They have 10% of the down payment. It's sitting in escrow. And it's a challenge to keep them in line. Most buyers in exchange for all that, want to get a discount when they buy the property. They think, hey, I'm buying this probate. I'm going to sit around for three or four months. So I want to buy it instead of 500,000, I want to pay 475. So I think normally a seller will get three to 5% less based on my statistics on limit authority than full authority. And I see attorneys all the time say, well, I recommend limit, I recommend court approval because it protects my customer. I've never seen a customer sued on full authority for selling the property too cheap. But I've seen a lot of cases where the attorneys charge tens of thousands of dollars and the house sells for less because it's a limited authority case. I think that's a mistake for most cases. Uh, bond needed $96,000 on a estate recommended good company. Yeah, I have a bond company um, that I recommend um, they are, I'd say, the, the primary the primary bond company in Los Angeles County. And most of the uh, attorneys are familiar with them and work with them. They're called Bond Services. And I will put their info in the chat box, but Alfonso is one of the reps. It's, it's funny, I'm, I'm saying this to you, the reality is I don't think they. oh, this the waiting room. I don't think they like me. I've, I've tried so hard to meet these guys and get business from them. And I think they feel like they have a special business and they're a good thing going and don't want to get me in on it. Uh, but that said, they do a good job. So I'm glad to recommend them. And there's his info in the chat, chat box. Thank you,
2: Thank you, Will.
1: Sure. I say mention my name, but I don't think my name carries much weight with those guys, unfortunately. But they're good. They're a good company. Um, okay. Did I hit all the questions? I think I answered all the questions. Uh, Okay, where are we? 439. So how are we doing? Any questions, comments? Sasha Allen, welcome to the call.
0: Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm happy I made it today. Hey Bill, it's Jay. Hey Jay. So um, you're in California. I'm in Michigan um how much of what you're discussing is generic you know across states versus how much is specific to california when it comes to probate right Good question.
1: so what i'll say is um it obviously varies by state some states are, are similar to california like new york others are very different like texas is wide open Um, But I think the principles of how we approach the seller are the same, meaning that in those states where it's easier to get probates through the process, I still think you need to be sensitive to the needs of the state and approach them from how can I be a service for it, what can I do to help you solve your problem, and not so much focused on I want to steal your property because I can get a, a low price and sell it and make a lot of money. Nothing wrong with buying something low and selling high. That's one of the consequences of doing your job rather than focusing on that. So Jay, I would say that I've I've networked with people all across the country on this call. And I'm also a member of um, a couple national probate company groups and I host a national probate realtor group for my company every week. So I've learned a little bit about different states. And I would say that to answer your question the best I can is the principles are the same but in most states, the process is less administrative and detailed and tedious than it is in Los Angeles.
0: So maybe, maybe a better question or, or would be, um, do you know of, or, or how would you recommend somebody go about learning the details of how the probate process works in my particular state, my particular county even, I guess. Um, Good question. Are you
1: an investor or are you a real estate agent?
0: Um, I'm primarily an investor. I'm actually um, in the process of getting my my agent's license. I want to add that as a, another arrow in the quiver. Sure. Look, I, I think that that uh,
1: I, I don't know off my top of my head any probate attorney in Michigan. And I don't know off the top of my head any uh, probate realtors in Michigan. I suspect if you go into YouTube and search, you'll find a couple um, would be a place to start. I think that if you go into – on Facebook, there's a group – there's a company called All The Leads, A-L-L-T-H-E-L-E-A-D-S, alltheleads.com. And they have a weekly um, um, mastermind call and a monthly role play call. And if you're looking to network with people around the country, that might be a good place. They have a Facebook group. Uh, where they have, where you could put into question and I would say you know what a great way to look for either probate focused realtor to mine with or an attorney and uh, because if you're an investor they're going to have deals right I mean I, I literally just got the phone before this call with an investor and I have a deal and she was telling me what she's looking for and I happen to have something that fit and she's pretty excited she called me back with her boyfriend on the phone and I mean, she's almost giggly. She's so excited about the property. Yeah. Um, so I would say to you, it's a good excuse for you to call uh, local, you know, going to, I would, I would just Google in uh, YouTube. I would search uh, probate Michigan, probate Detroit. I don't know what area you're in, whatever the big city nearest you is. Um, right. And I would uh, look for attorneys and realtors and just network with them and find out from them. Uh, that's about the best I can help you, but all the leads.com is also another resource and their Facebook page. I would check that out too. Thanks. If you're a realtor, and you join EXP Realty, I host a Monday morning national probate call. We get agents from all across the country and we have about 400 in our group. Great. Uh, great questions. Thank you, Jay. Thanks for being on the call, by the way. Um, other questions. Who else has a question, challenge, problem? Got Just a few minutes before we wrap up here.
0: Anybody? I have a question. So, so the bond services that you were talking about is downtown Los Angeles off of uh, 530, 523rd street. That's where their Can office 6th? located. Sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah, off of 6th street.
1: If you ever go to court, uh, you'll notice there's guys in the room. You wonder who they are
0: mm-hmm. or used
1: to be, I should say, uh, you know, COVID rules changed all that, but they used to be in the, in the hearing rooms every day. I was in the hearing room as well. I would see them. And so they were listening for when cases were decided and they would Go approach the attorney, and they would offer to to help the attorney get the paperwork done more quickly, just like I did. Uh, And they were that one company, Bond Services, I think daily had three or four guys in the courthouse every day, and they're running around getting um, probate bond business. Uh, It turns out I happen to know uh, the company they bank with and um, uh, know people who know them pretty well like i said I've, i really tried to reach out to them and and meet with them and, and try to just networking and work with you some business together i just have not been successful with them so i don't have any personal relationship to call them but i do know they there's a lot of bond companies you don't have to use them i've used other ones for other things i would say just like if you go to them and they decline you come back to me i have two or three other bond companies i'd refer you to but that one right now does the most business in los angeles county and odds are, know your attorney or want to work with your attorney, and they'll, they'll give you a first shake. Good. Other questions. When uh, somebody
0: is, you know, required to have a bond, um, is that saying that the rest of the family just doesn't trust them? What what's the main reason? Um.
1: So. if you only have limited authority, yes. you can't sell the property and take the money and put it in your, uh, uh, you don't have the authority to spend the money. You need court approval to spend the money. So what does that mean? That means that either the money goes into a blocked account and then, the, then every expenditure the court has to approve. So you want the to court to pay for attorney's fees, you submit a form, Court approves it they get paid you want to pay to fix the house up? you submitted you submit a request court approves it then you can release the money for those things it's a blocked account or if you're if you can be bonded what happens then is you have the ability to spend the money uh, because the court is is uh, insured if you end up embezzling the funds that they can get the money back from the bonding company which acts like an insurance on you
0: yeah, gotcha. Thank you.
1: The the uh, probate process is not designed to help the uh, estate save money. It's designed to make sure that the state and, and federal government and local government get paid taxes. That's number one. It's number two is make sure the court gets paid. Number three is make sure the attorneys get paid. So all these rules are designed to make sure that happens. Um, and that's why you want to avoid probate. But to answer your question, again, the, the bond then. Um, if you only have limb authority, gives you authority to spend money without individual court approval. Thank you. My pleasure. Good, other questions. What are the average attorney charges? So my good question, you know, it's really fascinating. Who here on the call is a realtor? Terry's a realtor and Joanne's a realtor. So if I said to you, what are the average realtor Commissions on a listing today? How would you answer that question? Not as a listing prospect. If you're giving a class to pretend, you know, well, high school kids and they want to know about buying houses, if I ask you the question, "What's the average realtor commission?" Terry, what would you say?
2: It is negotiable, but five to six percent is like the average.
1: Okay. And Joanne, uh, Mike says five percent. Joanne, same thing. What would you say?
0: It's the same thing. I mean it's it, it's it's negotiable. So the first
1: word we always say is negotiable because we don't say that it creates the false impression it's fixed. Right. Right. So in LA probate court, real estate commissions are fixed. It can't be more than five percent on homes or property or more than ten percent on vacant land without court approval. The court can change that, but generally without court approval, they can't be more than that. Attorneys' fees, it's interesting. If you ever ask attorneys, my experience with them, a lot of them are, are, are a little a little dishonest in how they answer the question. Because there is a statutory limit to attorney's fees, but they're negotiable and they can be less. There's a limit to what can be charged. If you just Google California state probate attorney fees, there's a limit, and it's based on the law, and at a million dollars it's capped at $23,000 and oftentimes attorneys will say, oh, well, they're set by law. They can't, you know, uh, no more $23,000. Okay, well, how low can they go? The answer is as low as they agree to. When I started this business two years ago, and even today I fantasize about, I'm so good at what I do, attorneys should wanna work with me and refer me business. It hasn't really worked out that way. So the opposite, and I would refer them cases. I did get back a pack of brownies from one of the attorneys, which was nice, but you know they got like a $20,000 attorney fee. The more important is, well, what about the next 10 deals we should do together? So one of the things I've been doing more and more as a realtor is helping customers avoid paying attorney's fees by using um, non-attorney solutions. There's a vendor I use called easy-probate.com it's kind of like a legal Zoom. You go in, fill out the forms, and can avoid the attorney for the probate. And they have a concierge level where they have a specialist who fills out the documents with you on the phone, answers questions. And then they have a third level with an attorney, but they're all cheaper than hiring an attorney. And attorneys will say, "Oh, those services, you know, are terrible." But the truth is, most attorneys at most have a paralegal who typically, now Paul Horns is, a, is, a, is an exception. Most churches don't do that much probate work. So they paralegal all year long does two probates. That's like us as realtors doing two vacant lands all year long. How well do you know the vacant land listing form? How well do you know the vacant land purchase form? Not as good as the other one, right? And so what I would say is for most customers using somebody who's not for basic probate issues, they're gonna save a lot of money um, they're using, save a lot of money by using, uh, the one I use is easy. I had him as a, um, uh, uh, guest, easy hyphen I had the owner, the founder on this call. And he's on my YouTube channel, uh, by fantastic <laughs> company. They also do live trusts for about 400 or $500. So I would say more and more, I recommend people go there to start the process. Sometimes I'll pay for it for them if they're their client. Uh, and sometimes like, they're halfway through the probate, it's still cheaper than here than it is to go to an attorney. So the fees are capped, not set, not fixed. And I'd say that the, for the mo- for having sat in court for two years and literally watched three or 400 Hearings, well, more than that, but whoever. Hundreds of hearings, probably thousands. 90% of attorneys are not worth the fees they're getting paid. 10% are worth every penny of it. <laughs> 10% on complicated cases, the good attorneys are worth every penny of it. But 90% of the cases are very routine. And, and the, the attorneys that handle routine are worse than the paralegals, in my experience. And I'm glad to have that discussion with any attorney who disagrees with me, I, I don't need to be disrespectful. Um, one said 40% fees attorney, 600 for pro- easy probate. One said 40%, I'm not sure what that means, uh, Mike. One said 40% fees attorney, what does that mean? I'm not sure what that text means. If I use easy-probate.com, I refer, if they're technologically sophisticated, they can do it on their own. If they need some questions, they have concierge. And then if they want to hire an attorney through easy probate, they have LA County approved attorneys who will help them and save a lot of money. Mike, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. Okay. All right. He's happy. Any other questions, challenges, problems? So here's what I say to you guys. This is the first week of the year. Just show of hands, We well, only have a few of you on camera. Well, it doesn't go there. I talk to realtors, investors every day. There's a lot of fear, stress, a lot of people struggling, trying to get started in this market right now. I want to tell you two things. I had my best nine months of my career the last nine months. I've been in this business for 36 years. The day COVID started, it was miserable. That next week or two was tough. next month or two was tough. But once I got things, once I figured out the game plan to work and worked it, game was on. It's been great. I finished last year. I closed 20 transactions. More importantly, I have seven pendings now, three listings, and I have a system generating more leads going forward. I have more than I've ever had starting the year. Number two, I'll tell you this. In my career in this industry, there has never been a better time to start to leverage up business if, you, if you're experienced, or to relaunch your business, never. There's more money than ever. There's more opportunity than ever. There's more people paralyzed and feared. If you can get some clarity on what to do, get a plan and work your plan daily, you have a chance to own your business, build real wealth. I'm here to help. I'm not selling you anything. You know, I, I, I have things you can pay money for, but I'm not here to sell you anything. You need to come work with, for me. Come this call every week, bring some energy, some passion. Let's work together, make a lot of money. I'm here committed to helping you help your prospects and your clients, okay? So call me, text me, email me. As always, um, you have my phone number, but I also want to say if you're new to this call, um, I offer a um, um, uh, kind of page with discounts and kind of cheat sheets and things like that. If you text, good stuff, um, just the words, good stuff. And so many people did it with space so without, either one's fine. The phone number, 213-460-2577. Again, if you text to 21, I don't know why that always works out backwards. 213 460 It's so weird how I type, I type it in correctly. And it always, every time, I'm just going to take out the dashes then. There you go. 46213 460 2577. 7. You text to that. You'll get back a list of my other meetings. You'll get back some discounts on probate data that I use. You'll get back some cheat sheet notes. And if you have any good suggestions and things I need to add to that, let me know. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. We we'll do this every Thursday at four. I have a real estate investment call every Tuesday at three. And thank you for participating. I appreciate it. Thanks, thank Bill. you, Bill. Thank you for helping out. Jay, thank you, and Terry, thank and Thank Nadia. you very much.